You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fin, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. The Giants, after a 24-16 win over the Texans, move up to 7-2, and and they slide into second place. Dallas drops to the Packers, just as I predicted, and Philly beats themselves. Let's Washington hang around and win this game. <laughs> Now the Giants are only one game back in the NFC East and one game back out of a one seed as well, I think. <laughs> what the hell is going on out there? What is it's, happening, Cranky fan? Welcome to the show. <laughs> it's, it's been a heck of a weekend, Grump. Uh, doubleheader weekend for me. Got to see uh, Florida beat South Carolina. Jumped on a super early flight. Got up to the Meadowlands. Giants take care of business. And then we're recording this rather late on Monday night. We're starting it at, at 11.23 after... Philly, I can't say Washington beat them. You say Philly lost to Washington, right? I mean, I mean, this is, I don't know. Is it is it arguable whether a Taylor Heineke commander's team is better than a Wentz-led commander's team? Did well, Philly get the better version of this team? Some, some quarterbacks and players have it and others don't. And Carson Wentz has never shown in his career to have it. And Tyler Heineke, Heineke, for some reason, seems to have it. And maybe That's about all he has. But. Yeah. I mean, it's that undescribable, you know, special sauce that some players have and other players don't. And they're kind of winners. And they make things happen. I mean, I think Stetson, <laughs> I think Stetson Bennett at Georgia, the Georgia quarterback, he sucks. But he has it. And maybe Tyler Heineke is like the uh, – you know, again, I'm not saying that this Washington team's going to the playoffs or doing anything, but the eye test tells you the team is better with him than Carson Wentz. The yeah, play of the game might have been him kneeling. <laughs> he, he, he took a knee to just waste time off the clock. The play wasn't there, so he wanted to keep the clock running, so he kneels in bounds, and then like a full five seconds later, Brandon Graham comes in and just clocks him. Yeah, he's... <laughs> I don't know what the hell that was supposed That's to be. A, I, I don't want to hear it either of how, oh, it's hard to stop. That's bullshit. You he know, if he didn't even start running until he was on the ground. Exactly. That was just a frustration I mean, it, play. It wasn't really a big hit or anything like that, but, but you know, dumb as hell. He's been around for 13 years. It's not like he's a rookie who's just excited to be out there. That's, you know, those are losing plays. And a play like that could cost him conceivably a one seed down the line. There's yeah. something stupid like that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they could totally implode. I mean, the the real story here is that uh, Philly has been exposed without Jordan Davis at defensive tackle. Uh, Washington yes. ran the ball all over them, which was kind of a running theme around the league this week, but not the least of which in the Giants game. So we can stop talking about the Eagles, the team I hate the most, mm-hmm. uh, and and talk about the only team that I really do like, and that's the Giants. So. <laughs> And even uh, in some years, that's debatable as well. Well, you know, <laughs> not this year, but I mean, holy shit! Let's take let's take five seconds here. We we were going to do this episode, um, you know, late anyway. 
We discussed this on the train leaving the game. That was before Dallas dropped to Green Bay in overtime. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, we were gonna. We decided we were gonna watch the Philly Washington game as it might impact our show. But now let's seriously take a minute here. The Giants are one game out of a one seed in the NFC East, and it's now after Week Ten. <laughs> That's that my analysis right there. Is that not nuts? What the hell is going on right now? I thought we were going to be talking rebuild at this point. I mean, and and that, and not even like in a bad way. Like just before Thanksgiving, it's starting to look like we're not really in the hunt anymore. Well, holy the shit! First, well, the first fart I want to give is to myself because every year before the season starts for my team and my wife's team, I always put those bets in. You know, the futures bets. Well, you know. Will the Rays win the World Series? Will the Knicks win the NBA championship? Will, you know, will, will the Giants win the Super Bowl? You know, over under for the season, you know, if it's over seven games. And this year, you know, I was like, no, there's no chance of any of this stuff happening. Didn't put any money on any futures. So I get a fart for having no faith and just not even having fun. I mean, I, I think the over under for this team was six wins this year. They've blown by that already. I mean, I don't know what the odds were before the season to win the division. I'm sure they were sky high. You know, winning the the conference, winning this. I mean, every year there's a team that comes out of nowhere. I mean, who in August of 2021 had Cincinnati on their bingo card going to the Super Bowl? Not me. You know, things just happen. Lucky breaks here and there. Teams start to gel. I, and I'm not saying this giant team's a Super Bowl team, but to answer your question, what the hell's going on out there? This is the wackiest NFL season I think I can possibly remember. It's, you know, there's no great teams. There's no truly horrendous teams. Raiders and, are pretty bad. Yeah, but they're pretty bad, but they're not the they're not expansion level bad. Uh, and, all right. Yeah, but I mean. All right. No, it's fair. They are not. They are not expansion level bad. It's getting to, you know, starting to feel a little like baseball where on any given week, you know, I know the cliche is any given Sunday, but I shouldn't be shocked anymore when a Washington goes into Philly or Green Bay beats Dallas or we beat anybody early on this year. Just, you know, the moral of the story really is don't overreact after the last game you see. I know we know there's overreaction Monday after week one, but you know, it's so random now, you know, just the last thing you see shouldn't be any definitive statements of, well, this team sucks or this team's a Super Bowl team or this quarterback's a MVP or something. Like three weeks ago, I was saying that Ron Rivera might be done. Yeah. I mean, how many times have we done a preview for the, uh, the division and we're like, okay, Washington. And we're just like, well, they suck. Well, they do. It was more you than me. Yeah, but guess what? Now they're five and five. Yep. <laughs> we would have been. We would have been thankful to be five and five at this point at the beginning of the year. Oh, sure, sure. I also don't think we would have had Philly as you know nine and one or whatever they are right now either. They're I mean, eight just... and one. But you know what? I still don't believe that. I, I know Philly is very good. Um, it's hard to think of a lot of teams in the NFC that are better than them, but they never screamed to me undefeated good. They're not that no. fucking good. And Jalen Hurts, I mean, he's not an MVP. 
He's playing really well. He's still not like MVP level quarterback to me. He's just not. I, I'm not seeing that from him. Um, this would have been a game if, if you're having an MVP candidacy where you kind of need it. You have to rely on him because if things aren't going well and he was. Eh. But give me one good reason why he couldn't throw five touchdowns in this game against yeah. Washington. Yeah. Seriously. If you're yeah. so good. I don't know. Um, MVP to me is like when I need you, I have to ride you. Not just an accumulation of stats, not just highlight plays. It's, you know, and that's what always made Tom Brady's, you know, a goat and Aaron Rodgers an all timer and guys like John Elway. And and potentially this year, Saquon Barkley. To your point, when you need to ride them, it works. And pivoting now back to to Giants Texans, uh, Saquon Barkley, 35 carries. That's a lot of carries for 152 yards, a touchdown, a long of 27. I mean, 35 carries that, that was to Jones's 17 pass attempts. That is a huge, uh, overwhelming, uh, weight on one side of your offense. A, you know, a wise sage, uh, fortune teller predicted he'd have 150 yards rushing this week. Yeah. You sure did. You are uh, dead on balls accurate with your predictions so far this year. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's let's talk about it. So Saquon Barkley sure. ran for thirty five times. Jones threw for seventeen. I felt like we were running too much. I understand that this is the situation where you are playing an inferior team that is trying to shorten the game against you, get a lead, and the game, whatever. Um, I also feel like a certain part of this is maybe only do that if it's really working a whole lot and it wasn't working that well. I mean, we kept watching and it was like, oh my God, it's like one arm tackle and he's going to break one. He's going to break one. But it didn't happen, did it? Never really truly broke one. The biggest runs were like on the edges. Yeah. My thing is, again, we were playing an inferior team. You try to want to just want to get through this game and get over, it. and it. I think it was working to me. A sign of it's working is oh, just missed, just missed, just missed, as opposed to not working. We're not getting anything. You know, stuff for one yard. It's it's third and nine. It's third and eight. It's third and eleven. We wouldn't have many of those. It didn't seem like. So I I I thought the game plan was sound, and I think. The bread and butter of this team, the strength of this team, is the running game. This is not, you know, uh, this is not a run and shoot uh, passing offense. And I, I think, you know, to pass it just to pass it, which some people are complaining, we're not passing enough. We we don't need balance. Balance sounds nice on paper, but if it's working, and again, it, the weather conditions weren't great. It was some wind, uh, and we were. We were getting yardage. We were doing what we had to do. We had the lead. The lead was never really in jeopardy or doubt. So I, I think they did the right thing. If this is a, you know, a game where the lead's going back and forth, or you know, we just want, you know, we're gonna have to match them for score for score. Okay, but and then the other thing is, you know, with guys like Kenny Galladay who just can't catch right now. I don't know what's wrong with with the guy, but. You're relying so much on a lot of things to happen. It just aren't happening with this offense. So I think you just go with your strengths and 
right now the strength of this team is Saquon Barkley and which I never thought we'd say anytime soon but you know the the run blocking of this team well here's where I'm going to disagree disagree with you and it's not so much that they shouldn't ride Saquon Barkley but the huge flip here you know why because the passing game was working you know you mentioned Kenny Galladay one clear drop, one eh, maybe the throw was kind of a little too far for him. That's two throws right there. That would have made him 15 of 17. True. So it's not like the passing game wasn't working because that's not true. But the running game, I mean, if it was working so damn well, they weren't really running up the score. In fact, it was 7-3 at halftime. Yeah, but, but again, the score was never in doubt, though, I think. I don't know. I was doubting it. It was only seven to three. Yeah, but at, the, at halftime, I'm yes. talking about like third. As you're getting to the third and fourth quarter, I don't think it was ever in doubt. Um, in doubt. I mean, we hung around. We didn't leave till about three minutes left in the game, which is going to bring me to my fart. Okay. Okay. Um. Th- so you know, you already mentioned Kenny Galladay. That's a universal fart, right? Yeah. I think. What well, you know? What? Let's get to Kenny Galladay in a second. Here's yeah. mine. This is and this is, it's a long time coming for this one. This offense has still not figured out how to close it out. They can't close out a half. They can't score points before the fucking half. I don't think they've done it yet. Um, and they can't close out a game. I mean, it, there were two onside attempts here by Houston. Unacceptable. Unacceptable that they should have even got that. We can't get a first down when we need one to end the game. Now Washington may be able to just kneel and get a penalty because they're playing idiots. <laughs> but, I mean, if we are a team that can run the ball for 150 yards and we're going to ride Saquon Barkley, why can't we get one fucking first down when we need it? Why not? It has not happened. Every single one of these games, we should have been leaving, not every single one of these games, but multiple games this year, we should have left the stadium with four minutes left because this game is just over. If we're a running team and they can't stop the run, then that game should just be over once we get the ball back. That is not the case. When it comes down to it, the last four minutes and either the half or the end of the game, this team does jack shit. It's not good enough. I mean, I understand that they have the fourth quarter comebacks. Um, you don't want to live on that, though. It, it, it's it, you, you, you know what I'm saying, right? I mean, it's just like, the, first of all, the right before the half thing, it's really bad. It's it, It's not like they get three first downs and they shit the bed. Like, I mean... They struggle if they get any at all first downs. We are almost always playing defense at the end of the half. Or we ha- we get the ball back with like three seconds left and we're just doing one player kneeling. Um, it's something that's got to get corrected. I know Mike Kafka said that they've identified stuff that helps them get to uh, start the game a little bit faster and more effectively. I think the next thing they need to look at is figuring out their fucking two-minute drive because it sucks. I, I- it sucks. Well, I think a lot of that has to do with – it goes back to the passing game, and it's not a Daniel Jones indictment. I think it's more of an indictment of the, of the receivers around him. I really do. I just don't think they – I don't know how much trust they have in these guys that they can execute a uh, – Come on with the trust. Good. Well, enough. enough well, why are we only throwing you – know, why, why is this passing game what it is? If we're all thinking Daniel Jones has turned the corner... That's a good question. Why are we giving up on it if we, if Daniel Jones is completing 13 of 17 passes? He has a perfect passer rating. Yeah. I mean, what would the what would the average yards per attempt? I mean, take away the one long the one long touchdown. The air yards per attempt? Because if you go by the actual stat, it's going to be skewed. 
Yeah, I mean, if we if you take away the the, the one long touchdown, I, but also it's, I don't. It's not very high. It I mean, doesn't matter. Very, Why does that matter? On thirteen passes, he one hundred ninety-seven yards. Right, right. So, but take away the seventy-yarder, it's okay. Which, take away Saquon's twenty-seven-yarder. Why are we taking things away? Because I'm trying to I'm trying to do a a more honest evaluation of the passing game. But it and, is on. That's how this offense works. This offense works in a way where you get shifty guys into one-on-one situations, and it's a broken tackle situation. If you take those away, you have to take away Saquon's big runs because it's just the same point. I'm not. I'm not trying. But I'm talking about the passing game specifically. I'm talking about why. Are, why do we not have in our back pocket a two-minute offense? And what's the root cause of why we don't even get into two-minute offense mode? That's what I'm trying to get to. I mean, but but I don't know the answer to that. But to say that they don't have trust or this team's not good enough is not a good enough answer. They're an NFL team. They're an NFL team. They have to have a two-minute offense. You can't say we're not good enough. That's a, that is Joe Judge sneaking on second down. Well, what's another explanation then? I don't have one. They need to yeah. get one. They're they're not good at it. They have one. It sucks. They need to work on no, it. No, but it needs what to be do we better. see different? What do we see different in them trying when they get the ball with a minute and thirty five left? Let's say, what are they doing differently that they're doing as opposed to the, to me? They're not even running anything different from their normal offense if it's first and ten on the twenty. Mid-second quarter, and that's I, my point. There's nothing I, different about what they're I, trying. To I do. agree. I think this is actually a Mike Kafka, Brian Dable problem. I yeah, think this is an I, issue where I, they, they they do not practice enough. They don't have it scripted well enough. They're not able to because usually those two-minute drives are, you know, it's got to be like eight to fifteen plays that you're picking from that are your bread and butter that are going to get chunk yards and save time, uh, and and for whatever reason. Uh, okay, so if you want to speak to the roster portion of it, the biggest problem I notice from a talent side here is that this team cannot consistently do any drive without a mistake play, some mm-hmm. kind of negative play, whether that be a sack, a, a you know bad run blocking for one play, something where they get basically nothing, or you know guys run the wrong routes or a, a dropped pass, and frankly. The team is not super good at picking up yards where that one down makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. From a talent perspective, they tend to make one killer mistake. But an NFL team, and if you want to be a winning team, you have to be able to overcome one mistake because every team makes mistakes. So that's not that's certainly a reason, but it's not a good enough excuse for them being this bad to close Well, that's a question. Halves. I mean, that's a... That's a valid criticism. It's a, if it's an unacceptable reason, then they need to point your fingers at the coaching staff. And I, I think it's fair to say that Mike Kafka is a first-year offensive coordinator, and maybe that's a little bit why. And Brian Dable is a first-year head coach, and maybe that's a little bit why. And Daniel Jones is working with both of them for the first time, and that's yeah, probably I, I, a little bit why. I don't believe it's because they don't practice it. I mean, I, I, I just think I, – I'm going to still go back to – I just – coaches tend to be – conservative and they try to be risk adverse i think and i think and i think i see the same thing and i I know you guys don't care about this that much but i make the comparisons between florida and and the giants all the time because they're in the exact same situation new coaching staff quarterback who they're still trying to figure things out uh you know very limited receivers so i see the same thing on saturdays and i do on sunday and i see coaching staffs that just you know they're afraid to open up their full playbooks. I think they're, they don't, 
they don't have the confidence in the guys to execute it. Whether it's, you know, and I think the big thing is is the outside weapons. I, and they also both teams don't have tight ends they can count on either for like those safe, you know, throws over the middle and things. I think you lose that part of your playbook. I think it just limits what you can do. I, I just think they'd rather be the before the half thing. I think is always overblown anyway. I mean, all of a sudden you're supposed to race to to, uh, to score before the end of a half. I it's nice, but to me, I think people put too much emphasis on that. Yeah, maybe, but I don't think they've done it once this year. It's been nine games. And the other thing we should do is, you know, we did we obviously didn't research this, but like, what is the average starting possession? Uh, you know, where are they on the field when they're starting their two minute drive? Are they starting on the on the fifteen or are they starting on the thirty five or forty? Because I mean, average or not, much, I don't think it. I don't. I don't think it matters. Sure, it does. If you're starting on your no, because they can't. What, what? Why I'm saying it doesn't matter is because they haven't been able to do it no matter where they start. They've mm-hmm. they've had it sometimes with very good field position, other times with awful field position. But either way, they haven't been able to move the ball in either scenario. They are very very incapable of getting like three first downs before the half. That's what that's my big problem is that like it's not even scoring touchdowns before the half. They can't even get in field goal range. Sometimes they don't even get to the opponent's side of the field. It's pretty bad. I mean, I, I I don't expect them to do that every single time, but like, I almost count on at this point. It's like well, they're not going to do anything with this. They, they I, don't. They're not gonna. I I really think this is not the answer you want to hear, but I think in the years to come, with an infusion of talent, that's that problem is going to go away. I sure, really sure. Yeah. But I do think it could be better now. I mean, we're 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 talking in the in season. Um, they could be doing that better. Um, mm-hmm. Just like you know, if we're if we're gonna shit on Kenny Galladay dropping passes, um, which we're gonna do right now. Yeah, uh, that's something he could do better right now. I don't really care about whether he works on it in the off season and gets better with well, time. Well, yeah, let, you know let's what talk I mean? about him. I mean, at this point with him, it's got to be mental, right? It has to be. Uh, I mean. The the second pass is a clear drop. I mean, it hit him mm-hmm. right in the hands. He was wide open over the middle. And I believe right. that was the drop in the two-minute offense before the half. If Let I'm me ask you something. Remembering that right. Do you agree that because of the drops, he should have been benched the rest of the game? Yes. You do? Yes. So you think that uh, – Isaiah Hopkins is a better option than Kenny uh, Kenny Galladay at this point. He shouldn't be, but he is. Like you said, it's it's if it's a case of the yips, it is what it is. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter what the talent is if it's yips, right? Or do you just do you play him out of it? I mean, are the I yips, mean, I, I, would the yips get worse by him just getting benched? Do they care? Well, I mean, he's I mean, still. He's, he's, still, he's under contract for this year, but do they care? Does Joe Shane care about this year as much as he cares about going forward? I don't think he's. I don't think he's thinking about next year with Kenny Galladay, but he is thinking about this year. And I think he's absolutely. Joe Shane is absolutely thinking about Kenny Galladay next year. They there is a good chance that they could cut him for only four million dollars savings. That's what I mean. I don't think. I don't think he's worrying about next year right now. Like for the final five or six games left of the season. And getting Kenny Galladay right 
is as big as potentially. Yeah, but Joe Shane is not thinking about getting Kenny Galladay, right? Well. You think the GM is thinking about getting a player right that he doesn't want to begin with? He's still on the team right now. I mean, I, I don't think he cares. They traded you away. Think, they traded the away. Cares how his team is playing. No, that's that's, that's not what yeah. I said at all. That's yeah, not what I said. Of... It's not at all what I said. Are you kidding me? I don't think he cares about one player who is given opportunities and can't capitalize on them. It's not like they have just completely given up on him forever. They gave him shots and he failed at them. It, it, you know what I mean? They they gave Darius Slayton nothing. And only when they were forced to play him did they realize that he's probably the best wide receiver they have. They traded away Logan Ryan without even him smelling his cologne in the building. Yeah. They traded away Blake Martinez right before. They don't give a fuck about people. They traded away Canarius Tony without even giving him a shot. I know. They, I mean, they don't care about the guys that they don't have. And they don't want to have to have Kenny Galladay. They should be playing him. But if he has got the yips, then he's got the yips, and they don't want him. So I don't think Joe Shane gives a shit. Brian Dable probably cares more than he does. Okay, then let's talk about Brian Dable then. I, I mean, I have to say that I think benching him was probably the right call. I think you can maybe make an argument that you should have brought him back in later on in the game. Do you mm-hmm. think that? Yeah, I... I, I... I, I just think that the 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 leash on him all year has been incredibly, incredibly short. And I don't know why him over other guys are. I mean I, I think I think he's been jerked around so much this year that I think the yips have been it's not all just self induced. So you wouldn't have benched him? I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have benched him for the the whole rest of the game. Okay. Because I still think he he, we need him to be better, and to be effective at some point in this season. I agree with that. I mean, but you know this thing is like every time if he drops a pass, he's out for the rest of the game. That's that's kind of the same thing we criticize. You know, a lot of us Giant fans who are Nick fans about criticize the the, the Knicks coach right now, um, Dibido, what he does with uh, with some of these young guys. Like you know they 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 miss a three point shot or they 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 blow a defensive assignment. They're on the bench for the rest of the quarter. It's okay, like, but but young that's guys. That's not making them any better. Yeah, but young guys and veterans are different. You can make a legit argument that young guys have to play their way through mistakes. That makes sense because they are growing. Kenny mm-hmm. Galladay is not a young guy. In fact, you could say he's kind of an old guy. Right, but the guy behind him is not pushing him because he's better. They're, the, so the guy what? behind him is playing because there's literally no one else to play. And they're just like, I'd rather and have. And they're guy the ones that aren't dropping it. How do we know? How many catches did he have? Who? Who do you want to know? I'll put, I'll look it up right now. Because uh, there were only four incompletions. One was Darius Slayton, that because he was three of four. Two were Kenny Galladay. He was zero for two. So who's the one other? So every single other person, I can guarantee you, had more drops than Kenny Galladay. How many? How many? Uh... Isaiah Hodkins, how many catches did he have? He was two for two for 41 yards with a 20 and a half yard average. So you're telling me that he should be benched for Kenny Galladay? I mean, with Kenny Galladay, I mean, I mean, we don't have to rehash what he did, you know, the problems he's having right now. I mean, now he's probably going to be number one on this team. But my question is, you know, first of all, it's all got to be mental at this point, right? I mean, this guy is 
he is a good receiver. It's just, you know, I don't know if he's just been jerked around so much, you know, before the season started by this coaching staff or what, but the question is, what do we do with him going forward? Um, you know, do we let him play it out on the field or do we just, you know, cut bait and just tell him to sit on the bench for the rest of the year or just leave the team? I mean, well, I mean, if he's got to play through it, do you jeopardize wins for that? I guess, you know, what's the replacement? I mean, we had some guy come off the street who had a pretty decent day today, but do you rely on guys off the street to have the production going forward? Or do you, you know, at least have him out on the field running routes is like a, well, 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 hang on. This is actually an interesting point though. Uh, so what does going forward mean? I mean, do we agree that regardless of how this season goes, this coaching staff, long term, they're done with him, right? Absolutely. There's no doubt okay. in my mind. So yeah. there's a there's a chance that even though the better year to cut bait with him is not next year but the year after, mm-hmm. next year they can still save about $5 million and get him the hell out of here. They still have to spend a lot of money to make it happen. But I think they're still going to do it. I think they're still going to ax him next year. So – do you why bother letting him play through it if he's if he's hurting the season the only season that you plan on having him around for then why bother playing him is well, a, is a decent way to look at it right I, I guess is is he irredeemable this year to be a functional receiver on this team I don't think so I think I think there is I think you could make a case that you should have brought him back in this game later on in the game when it was a little bit more solid um, the win was a little bit more solid and maybe you give him an easy route to just get a catch mm-hmm. even or, or even just get him back on the field and run routes even if you have no intention to throw to him because number one i imagine defenses are still paying attention to him and you know, he's not just running and like oh forget him and also just having him sit on the sideline in stew is probably getting more in his head at least if you have him back on the field even if you're not really throwing to him you weren't really throwing to him anyway i mean he only had 17 pass attempts as it was so it's just been a very strange and this coaching staff, it's, you know, it's obvious now that they have guys they like and guys they don't like and guys they trust and don't trust and want to play and don't want to play. And he's purely one of those guys they don't want around. I guess, how do we try to squeeze what any type of lemonade out of this lemon that we can? Well, I don't think you give up on him on the year. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like, like, you know, we were saying Isaiah Hodgins, whatever, um, not benching Isaiah Hodgins for Kenny Galladay when he's two for two and 40-something yards with an average of 24 and a half yards. That's not bench-worthy, but mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's not start-worthy. I mean, maybe maybe the, maybe the he still presents the best chance. He just needs another week. You know, I don't know. He's also his first game back from injury. Uh, still no excuse. Not saying excuse, but maybe rusty. Yeah, I mean, that, was, <laughs> I don't know. that wasn't brought up by anybody. It's just like he's been out for four weeks plus the bye week. I mean, it's been a long time since he's been back on the field. It's been not an even longer sense. time since and he's I'm, been in the end zone. But And I'm also, again, I'm not trying to be a, uh, a Galde apologist. I'm not his agent. I'm not his brother. Uh, you know, I'm just like it's striking how of all the bus – the Giants have had in the last 15, 20 years, this might be the biggest one. I mean, because yeah. we spent we spent a lot of money for him. And this isn't a, a, a signing when we're like, oh my God, why did we sign this guy? We can go back and, and run the tape from our old shows, look at tweets from around the time period. Everybody wanted him because he was the available guy. And people were very happy when, when the signing happened. It's just... It just didn't work. 
just hasn't worked. But also, but also, it was a different regime with a different style of offense that wanted him. A, a style of mm-hmm. offense that, if they could block, would have highlighted him as the big play guy down the field. Right. But they couldn't block long enough to make that happen. The whole regime got fired. And now we have a different regime with a different style of offense that doesn't really prioritize his skill set. I mean, right. what he was dropping on those shallow crossing routes, that's really the kind of shit we need to be caught. It's yeah. not really the thing he does well. I mean, he's really the downfield body out, you know, use your length kind of guy and go up and get it, not running across the field to get it in stride and run. Right. Not that he can't ball- do that, but that's just not really his major skill set. That's true, but when the ball's in your hands. I'm not making excuses You have for to him. catch it. <laughs> I don't care I'm just saying, yeah, when, when the I signing know. happened and for the money was to fit an offense that we are not running anymore. And this, so, goes, um, and this goes to something we said early in the year, too, is you have these guys, you know, maybe you tweak the offense a little bit in the short term to maximize what you have. Like after this year, if he's no longer on the team, okay, you bring in guys that will fit exact, exactly what you want to do. But for right now, especially as how thin we are at the wide receiver position. I think it was a wasted opportunity this year to, to make some tweaks to try to come at least in the middle between the two of what he can do and what you want to do. I'm, I'm being serious. When, when your quarterback is 13 of 17 and he accounts for two drops on two targets, sorry. Oh, I don't know who I'm supposed to bench for this guy. Nobody else is dropping the ball but you. He's the only one. Darius yeah. Slayton was three of four. He's the other drop. I guess going but, forward, I guess you you look and see who are your best four receivers. And and Isaiah Hodgins on like one week of practice was two for two. And some of those were big third down conversions for huge yards, like 20 yards. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, no, I don't think Isaiah Hodgins is better than Kenny Galladay. But yesterday he was. So I'm not benching him. Stay with a hot hand. Um, but let's flip it, though. Let's flip it to the positive here. Big yeah. star to Darius Slayton. Yeah. My God, Darius Slayton was huge in this game. Three of four for 95 yards and a touchdown. The one was, I wouldn't say, it wasn't a broken play. It was a fantastic play. Daniel Jones hung in the pocket just long enough to get clobbered and deliver. I'd say an um, improvised play. Not broken, but I don't just... Even, uh, I, don't think, yeah. I don't even think it was improvised. I think the offensive line failed, and he just kept backing up until the play presented itself as it should have. Yeah. So he's just throwing from further away than he should have been, but... Then Darius Slayton just makes a move on, I don't know, was that Derek Stingley? No, it was Jalen Petre. Um, just whiffed on the tackle, and Slayton took it to the house. Uh, and that's where that big speed comes in. Um, Is Slayton, would you give him votes for team MVP? No. Uh, most valuable. I mean, because, you know, we have no, there's no other receivers you can count on. I'm talking about not best, valuable. Um, well, I mean, I don't know. I guess if if this is like um, MVP voting from like all the journalists around the the country, most valuable for this team, I'm sure he would get a vote or two. Uh, he's been the most reliable wide receiver we've had this year, which is really hilarious. Yeah, you know, it's. I mean, I was listen. I was not one of his biggest defenders the last couple of years for sure. Well, um, reliability has been like his one issue. Yeah. And um, he's he's really he's saved this passing offense this year. And not for nothing, 
The Darius Slayton drops of the last couple years that we complain and criticize about are like 30 times harder than the Kenny Galladay drop yesterday. Oh, yeah, that was, yeah, that that second one was – listen, I'm not defending – I know, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm not just, Galladay's agent. I'm not defending him. I know that. Yeah. This isn't meant to pile on you. I it just it just occurred to me that, you know, for all the criticizing we did of Darius Slayton, the the big one that comes to mind is you think of that commander or yeah, that commander's game last year in mm-hmm. week two where Daniel Jones throws a bomb, he's all alone. It's off the fingertips. I mean, it was he was running full speed, just right. barely, you know, it was kind of far out in front of him. Kenny Galladay was like six yards away running a crossing pattern, hit him right in the fucking hands. There's nobody around him and he dropped it anyway. It was it, they're they're not even close to the same and, kind of thing. And it's amazing because so. if he catches that, he's got room. He had so much room. And, and that was, and, I think, right before the half. That could have been a huge play. And the complete narrative on, you know, potentially his whole season and everybody's outlook on him changes potentially with that one play. Oh but, yeah. Uh, that would but, have been a Kenny Galladay is back kind of moment yeah, for him. Yeah. Um, or maybe he would have just gotten a Bronx cheer. I don't. I don't really know. But well, Darius Slayton. <laughs> Darius Slayton gets a star for me. Congratulations, Darius Slayton. Nice. He gets a star. Absolutely. Um, you got a star to give out? Um, I don't have any stars to give out. I I just think this was a workmanlike game that uh, you know, Galladay was. I'm uh, sorry, Galladay. Now I have Galladay on the brain. <laughs> Um, Slayton got the one star for me as well. Um, again, that's why I brought up the point about, is he a potential MVP of this team for, you know, being the most consistent guy and where there's really nobody else you can rely on at all. And, um, that was a game changing play where, you know, we don't get many game changing plays other than Saquon Barkley on this team. So that's what I was going to say. It's interesting. I have another star to give out, but it's not to Barkley. It's for nobody on offense. Neither one of us is giving one to Barkley for a 152-yard game with a touchdown. Well, I mean, the guy is so good. I guess a star is kind of like... Implied. Yeah. I mean, the bar is much higher for someone like Barkley than it is someone like Darius Slayton, for example. You know? I mean, we could give him stars. It's almost like, you know, I, the guys who get like the captain's thing, like right from day one. It's like, yeah, you're the captain. We expect, you know, good things from you and leadership from you because you're the captain. Well, he's like our star. We should put like a star on his uniform. Like you, you and you're starting off your the bar with a star, you know. I and it can only be taken away from you. It can only be, yeah, you can only get farted down for a week where you lose the star. I uh, so I mean, my main thing here is that. I know he had 150 yards, but 35 carries. I mean, he didn't feel dominant in this game. Everything, like I said, it was like, it always looked like it was going to be like one missed tackle away from breaking. And it's not his fault. It just, it just Mm -hmm. is what it is. I think everybody in the building, 80,000 plus people knew that Saquon Barkley was going to shoulder the workload. And it just he never really dominated. I, 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 it sounds weird to say on a on a buck fifty game, but for thirty five carries with Saquon Barkley with this offense and what we're good at and their bad run defense, almost expected. That's um, good coaching. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Why is why is this team you know seven and two or whatever you are now? It's a coaching staff that is exploiting mismatches and maximizing what this team can do and. That may be a question mark in in previous regimes, but not this one. And this might be more encouraging, a stat line he had today, and more important for this team, 
than being quote unquote dominant and having the, you know, the 50 yard run. I mean, I would love for this team to be able to score quickly. You know, have we had the one opportunity with with Slayton, but you'd like to have twice a game where it's a relatively quicker score instead of having to grind. Like this offense is grinding every drive to score, and you know the the best way to the best way not to worry about red zone offense is to score outside the red zone, and we don't do that that very often. And well, that's for damn sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, but. Having 35 yards, for, uh, 35 carries for 150 to me is probably a better recipe for success with this team as we get into playing the good teams and getting into December in the playoffs. We're going to have to be, you know, it's kind of the Tennessee model. Um, I do want to talk about Daniel Jones sure. just a little bit because – uh, I, I think this is one game where you can unequivocally say Daniel Jones did not win this for us. Um, mm-hmm. Then, then, then again, uh, as I rewatched it, I saw some things from Daniel Jones that I thought were really good. Um, for starters, and this was something we pointed out in the like during the game live. Um, I want to say it was like right towards the end of the game, third down. We were running the ball, running the ball, running the ball, and then. Uh, Drop back to pass. And we're just trying to run out the clock here. And nothing's open. Daniel Jones is running out to his right, looking downfield, whatever. And then just takes the sack. Just And by takes the sack, I mean he just goes down and lets it happen. There's no chance of a fumble. He's not trying to force anything downfield. Is a sign of maturity where maybe in the past we would see Daniel Jones do something stupid. Or, mm-hmm. or even just take the sack and get hit harder than he had to when the most important thing is to get down inbounds and retain possession of the ball. Little things like that. Uh, movement in the pocket. I mean, he had a big run in this game, uh, but was not a designed run. I mean, it was simply he just shuffled over in the pocket, and then there was a lane there, so he just took it. Um, not a design run, not a scramble. This was just pocket awareness, pocket movement. Little things from Daniel Jones that we're continuing to see improvement. You know what he's starting to remind me of a little bit? And he's not as good as him, so old-timers don't jump down my throat. But he's a type of game-managing quarterback that Phil Simms was quite a bit in the 80s. Where they never asked Phil Simms to go out and win a game for them. Like they would ask Eli too or you know, even like a Kerry Collins who had a big gun and you know, big explosive plays. It was – if you look at his stat lines from back then, and again, different error, I get it, so don't go into all the analytics with me, but, you know, be efficient, make smart plays, you know, make smart decisions, live for another day. He's starting to feel like that type of quarterback for this team. And, you know, being able to lean on a guy like Barkley, again, once Bellinger's back, you know, whatever, whatever point this year into next year, this offense is going to be built around those strengths. And kudos to this coaching staff to building around what he does best. Right? This, Amen. I mean, it's also a game that I might have said this a week or two earlier, but I'll say it again now. It's the first time I just felt like one of the first times that this guy's in control of what he's doing. He doesn't have training wheels on him. He's executing the offense. And yeah, he didn't he didn't necessarily win the game for us, but the game plan was not for him to win the game for us. And to your point about with the sack, not trying to do things outside of the game plan or trying to be a Superman and 
you know, do things that are not going to work on on Sunday. So he, he feels like the starting quarterback of this team. It doesn't feel like he's on an audition right now. He might still be in the eyes of the general manager and the coaching staff and, and everybody else, but I just feel like he's just the quarterback right now. Yeah, and that's that's kind of a con- uh, conversation that's going on is whether or not this coaching staff is really uh, gearing up for extension talks with him or anything like that or a new deal. Um, I don't know. I don't think we're seeing evidence of one way or another whether they like him. Do you think so? Um, I I would not equate only throwing the ball 17 times on Sunday to whether they like him or don't. I think some people are tr- going to try to make that – you know, dotted line. Oh, they're not thro- throwing the ball because they don't trust him. I think it's a product of the entire passing game more, more so than just him. So, um, I don't know. I mean, what does the coaching staff think during practice? Is he picking up everything they want to do? Are they, are they trotting out a playbook for everything they want to do, but they're holding things back because he can't do it in practice. We don't know these things. And maybe they feel another quarterback could, that's a possibility, but I think from what we're seeing, what we're seeing, what they're asking him to do, he's doing just about everything, and just from what we can see. I, I, well, let me ask you something: Would you feel comfortable with him going forward? Have yeah, you seen not? enough yet? That those are two different questions. If okay, only because. Like, what are my options? I don't know what my options are. But, like, if the coaching staff decides to keep him, what is my reaction going to be? I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that's a fairer way for me to answer it. I know the traits that Daniel Jones has. I know the things he has to work on. I know the intangibles. He does a lot of things that are really hard to find in other quarterbacks. It's just a fact. I mean, mm-hmm. he is very, very good with his legs. He has a very good deep ball arm. He's got no one to throw to down the field, but that's another story. Right. I mean, he's got to continue working on his pocket presence, his pocket movement, you know, that sort of thing. But those things I've seen steady improvement little by little, even on shitty teams and even through three offensive coordinators, I've seen those small improvements. So I'm okay with it. Am I am I fighting for it? Absolutely not. Um right. And, and, and there's just so much between now and the draft and free agency and who the hell knows. And no one knows if Tom Brady is going to be a broadcaster or a buccaneer <laughs> sure. or, or a, a bunchin by the end of the year. So, <laughs> um, you know, and, I, I and we don't even know if Aaron Rodgers is going to be around next year. Who the fuck knows? I, I, I mean, I, Aaron Rodgers could be a free agent for all we know. I, I think you really said it. The, the, the right answer to that was. If the coaching staff and the front office wants to bring him back, we're okay with it. I, I think that really – that's all really we, we can control at this point. It's what do they ultimately think. Oh, well, that's all we can ever control. I don't yeah. really have any, any say well, fans, on contracts. Well, fans stuff. think they can, they can control it by how much they, they scream and moan about it. That's true. And I do both of those things a lot. Yeah. Um, but – I want to flip it to the other side of the ball because the defense played outstanding. How outstanding? Damian Pierce did not run for 100 yards in this game. 95, but still. Um, he is, he is the, the talk of the league in some mm-hmm. circles. Um, offensive rookie of the year talks. Sure. Didn't get 100 yards. Now, while I sit here and uh, 
sit here and simp, sip my lemonade and, and talk about how Saquon Barkley didn't do enough for me on 35 carries and got 152 yards. Damian Pierce did not get 100 yards, and that is credit to a defense. Stars, stars, um, you know, with performances from guys even like Jason Pinnock. Jason mm-hmm. Pinnock had four tackles, two of which were solo, one and a half sacks, and two quarterback hits and a tackle for a loss. Jason Pinnock, who's getting playing time because Xavier McKinney, uh, I don't know, smashed a couple of fingers. Um, most important, uh, Dane Belton also getting more playing time because of Xavier McKinney got a an interception and a pass defended. Most important, though, I think, you know, in relating to Damian Pierce has got to be Leonard Williams, who had who's now finally starting to come back and look like Leonard Williams again after his MCL injury. Nine tackles, five solo, a half sack, a quarterback hit, and most importantly, Damian Pierce's forced fumble, yeah. his first one of the year. And then my defensive star, sexy Dexter Lawrence, five <laughs> tackles, one solo, one sack, which was actually two half sacks, a tackle for loss, a pass defended, and five quarterback hits. That's insanity. Yeah, you that know is what? insane numbers for a defensive tackle. He's reached to my book, the Saquon bar is high enough that you don't get a star because you're that good. <laughs> I, I, I honestly think that. It's just like I could give him a star almost every single week. It's true. This year, honestly, Pro Bowl contention, I don't even think is is – like debatable at this point. I think it's whether or not he becomes a second ballot or a second team all pro mm-hmm. and the, the guys he's got to compete with to get that. Um, he's not really had a bad game. And and proof in the pudding, the one drive early in the game that I think ended in that first Texans field goal, it was probably the fourth drive of the game where they ran right down the field in like five plays with like 60 yards was the drive that Dexter Lawrence was getting rest. Yeah, which speaks to my previous point about how Nick Williams being out for the rest of the year is a big deal. That would be when Nick Williams would be in there. And while Nick Williams is not in contention for second team All Pro, is certainly capable of preventing shit like that. But he's a depth piece that we don't have anymore. Right. And instead, we have Henry Mondu uh, and and guys. And what that that means is that means that Dexter Lawrence may have to play more snaps than you would like, and that might you know wear him down in some games or potential for injury or something where you can't have a regular rotation of guys you trust. I do wonder if there's any idea or plans to, when Aziz Ojolari is back and healthy, um, having some snap rotations where Jihad Ward is playing more defensive tackle kind of role on the inside. More hybrid stuff? Yeah, I mean, he's just he's just a very good run defender. He's a little bit thicker in the body. He's a little bit stronger at the point of attack. I mean, he's not really going to be taking on double teams or anything like that. But, you know, in in a couple of snaps to spell Dexter Lawrence, maybe. I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe, or, or just, you know, maybe in like pass. Well, you know what? At this point, I don't want to take Dexter Lawrence or Leonard Williams off the field in third down. Do you? No, no, no. I think you kind of scheme around and keep them on the field and you figure something else out. Yeah. I mean, and also, I mean, the, the, in theory, if those two guys are on the field a lot, you know, it's third and longer than, than, yeah. than in the past. So, you know, they're doing their jobs on first and second down. So you can, you know, you could potentially pin your ears back, you know, and go after the quarterback more with, you know, more exotic stuff. Um, 
I'm going to give another fart. And this one's kind of aimed at the coaching staff a little bit. Which, by the way, the co- Mike Kafka, for, for all the um, all the flack I'm giving him for, I guess, I don't know, the offense not being very good, only throwing the ball 17 times, they had some really exotic shit where we just went zero tight ends and three offensive linemen. Yeah, there's some... <laughs> That was that was pretty wild, and we did it consistently throughout the game. That was not like a one-time gimmick. That was when we need yards, we're putting every offensive lineman we have on the field, and people are getting moved. I but I, re- they are really desperate to get make anything happen. I think, and but I think it's also I don't know that that's desperation so much as just the no, to be creative. I mean, they're desperate yeah. based on the talent level we have out there right now. They they have to get more and more creative. So maybe desperation is the word, but creativity has to be higher. Yeah. Um, it did come with its own drawbacks, and that was stupid fucking penalties. Five, and I believe they were all dumbass penalties. Um, I think no, one of them was the the DPI on Fabian Moreau. So four stupid penalties. One of which was on Jack Anderson, who's one of the backup offensive linemen brought in to to throw blocks on fourth and one. A false start is inexcusable, inexcusable, and. Dumb as hell. I don't know. Off a, if, off a timeout, right? If I remember. I mean, whether it was or wasn't, it's fourth and one. I mean, yeah, just don't, I mean. It's like, and it's a know. quarterback sneak. He's playing out on the end. Like you don't even your block doesn't even matter, man. Right. Uh, but dumb as hell. I don't know if the, he's the one who asked it or not. But Jordan Renan posted. They they asked Brian Dable like why why do you scream at the players sometimes on the sideline? What the fuck questions are we asking our head coach? Who asked that? That's something my mom would ask. Why is he yelling at them? What do you mean? It was a false start on fourth and one. False start in any in Pop Warner, a false start. You get they will tell you the same thing at every level. You're the ones who know the snap count. Inexcusable. Inexcusable. They tell you at every level of football. No excuse for false starts. On well, you know what happens. One, you know what happens okay. when this team gets more depth and more talent. When you do that, you sit on the bench and you. Oh, think absolutely, yeah. Right now, you know, just because of the situation, you can't. You, you still have to play, but you know, all you can do now is just yell at the guy, because you know and he it, deserves it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You you screwed up. <laughs> that's all mental. It's not a physical mistake. Like, you know, if you trip, that's you know that happens. But something where it's up here and you blow it, you should get an earful. You and should I be would... on the bench, but you're lucky you're not. And I would have given – I don't know if it happened. I would have given Wandale Robinson an earful for reversing the field on the one blown play. I mean just just go down. Do you, you are not at Kentucky where you can just reverse the field and you're the fastest person in the universe. I think that's a, I think that's a rookie thing where – you know. Sure, but I'd still lay into him. <laughs> yeah, you're going to learn the hard way that this isn't uh, – you know, this isn't college anymore. All in all, uh, I had a really good time at this game. I think – yeah. The most the, the most frustrating thing is the inability to close this game out. We felt like this game was won with a lot of time left, and they just let Houston hang around. The other thing was the officials on that uh, open hand. I don't really care which way that palm, which way that call goes on mm-hmm. the uh, incomplete pass, not incomplete pass, whatever. But I, I don't know what he saw in the replay that took him eight thousand replays of the exact same <laughs> camera angle. It was the eight thousandth one when, that when really had that, the evidence. When you're looking that close, it's like you're looking to make a change. Like you're looking to make a change. Not, I just don't see it. I'm going there objectively with no opinion. And you're right. 
And, and for, for those of you who watched on TV and weren't at the stadium, you, you need to listen to me. Because we saw – I watched the broadcast. I know what you guys saw. We saw exactly what he was watching. It was literally – how many times? How many times was it, Mike? It was like 35 times he rewound the exact same mm-hmm. play. And, and it was like it was like five frames. And it was just – it was no joke, like a, a straight three minutes of that. They played a complete song, whatever they played. You know, like they yeah. put music on while you're waiting. Yeah, it, it was literally like three and a half minutes of just the one camera angle, the same couple of frames yeah. going back and forth. I don't know what he finally saw that he didn't see the first million times, but that was a tremendous waste of my fucking time. I don't even care which way that call went. Um, yeah, I, to go back to your point about closing games, I, I never felt, I never felt like, like I said, I didn't think the game was in doubt, so I wasn't as maybe concerned as you were about it, but. You would like to be able to see, you know, a, a fourth quarter where you can string a couple of first downs and just really put pressure on them. And we're not quite there yet with that. I just think this it's is just frustrating. Just, we just we just have a we just have an eh offense right now. I mean, yeah. we're asking a lot from an offensive line, which we've had, you know we've talked about forever, is still a work in process. You know, and that's that's a result of having a, a really good offensive line, to be able just to lean on the running game in the fourth quarter and, and run out of game. And we're not, we're just not there yet. You're asking an awful lot out of Saquon Barkley. You're at, you're asking an awful lot from, you know, your quarterback. I, I, I think that will come though. That's the things I, I give the coaching staff a pass, which, you know, we'll revisit in two to three years and say, yeah, this still I, isn't I getting think- any better. I think it's just frustrating because they've managed to make so many things work and they can't even get something that resembles like a, just closing it out. They, it just doesn't even come close. But, I mean, and it's purely on the offensive side because the defense is stepping up in those situations. I've got nothing further on this game, though. So that's going to do it for us. Yeah. As always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, etc. And you can watch it and listen to it on YouTube as well. And you can interact with us on Twitter at football underscore grump and at the cranky fan. And we will see you all Friday morning for our next preview episode. Until then, go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.